You are listening to the Atlanta Real Estate Forum radio show, all about real estate edition. Shining a light on the movers and shakers in the real estate industry. The home builders, developers, realtors, and suppliers making it all happen. Good morning, and welcome back to Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio's All About Real Estate Edition. I'm your host, Carol Morgan, and I'd like to give a special shout out to our 2022 show sponsor, New American Funding. Uh, We are thrilled to have them on board for another year, and this show is made possible thanks to them. Today's guest is our second conversation and second guest in our new Legends of Real Estate series. Last month, we were fortunate enough to interview John Wheeland, and this month, I'm happy to welcome Bill Evans, president of Fox Creek Properties. So welcome to the show, Bill. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. You've got such a depth of history in Atlanta, and I um, suspect that we'll be able to surprise our listeners a little bit with some of the things you've done that they might not even know, you know, is you because you're behind the scenes. So let's just kick it off with, you know, what year did you start developing and building and what did development and building look like back in the day? I'm not sure anybody wants to believe what it looked like back then, but, um, I started in 1974 and uh, came out of college and um, always knew I wanted to be a developer. So I went in the real estate business. I thought I wanted to be a commercial developer, but didn't turn out that way. And uh, my mother was a builder. My father was a mechanical contractor. So um, I grew up in the business and I'm from Stone Mountain and started developing in Stone Mountain and developed some family land and then some other land and got caught in the first recession, uh, which was absolutely wonderful uh, because everybody had land and nobody had a way to get out of it. So we built a lot of people, good old CNS Bank, out of a lot of lots. That's the way we started. Back then, they would make about anybody a loan and you know, the deal was you had to sell a house before the loan came due or they were going to foreclose on it. And um, we did two, then we did four, then we did eight, and then we did 12. So, and went up from there. It's a very different world. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I was, thinking about, I was thinking about, you know, back then, uh, the prices on houses weren't even listed in the multi-list. You know, they that was new, but they were they didn't list prices on houses or sizes of houses, hmm. which um, made it real hard to understand your competition and, and where you stood. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. So, how many homes did you build, and how many lots did you develop the first year? I know you said you started with four, but I imagine that that was four, and you sold those in a few months and went on and did four more. Yeah, I think um, we may have built the first four in 30 days, sold them in 60 days, and uh, just kept rolling. The, the time frames were were different back then. Yeah, um, you could do things so much quicker today. It takes 30 days to get a building permit. So, um, you know, it's it's just very different. But we started around Stone Mountain, as I said, and just never stopped. Um, we built probably a total of 5,000 houses and been involved in the development of 20,000 lots. And wow. uh, so 
it's it's been a great run. Um, people these days don't, you know, it used to be a, uh, you know, you couldn't get information to do a market study. You had to go literally go to the courthouse to see what a house sold for. And, wow. Uh, write them all down. You know, it gave the people that were in the business a great advantage because they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Where somebody coming in new had a real hard time sizing up a market. You know, that's that's interesting. And it's an interesting point. So it was harder to do the research then, but easier to get the homes built. And today it's much easier to do the research, you know, with all the different online tools. And then so much harder to get the houses out of the ground because of zoning and needing to have lots and, you know, every, all the politics involved in it. Mm-hmm. You're right. Um, you know, we used to be able to zone a piece in 90 d- days. And if it was the right time of year, we could develop it in 90 days. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> now if you zoning is, you know, probably average and more like nine months and developing it is, you know, coming up on a year. So the time frames have really stretched out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, talk a little bit about some of your home building companies. I know that you were involved in JEH Homes and probably several other back in the day, as well as you're currently um, involved in a builder now. Well, I've always thought of myself more as a, uh, more of a developer than I have a builder. Um, if you develop in the right place, home building becomes a lot easier. And uh, the guy I worked for way back then went broke, my first boss, because he didn't build. He only developed. And when the music stopped, he couldn't build his way out of what he had. And he tried desperately for you know, three or four years to do it, and it just didn't work. Um, and so... You know, sometimes you learn things not to do, and I learned not to develop if I couldn't build my way out of it, which is a little different than most people come to building. So um, my partner, George Hovis, started a building company called Hovis Homes, and uh, Ted Elliott had a company called Camel, which built all over uh, Gwinnett County, and uh, we went along building houses, you know, we were building probably 30 houses a year and uh, was pretty happy with that. The problem is, um, you know, the industry consolidates. And uh, as, as, you know, I realized that you really had to double size every recession. And we've doubled in every recession since the 82 recession. And we tend to do it in bad times when everybody else is having problems. And we tend to stop growing or even shrink a little in good times. You know, in the last recession, we actually quadrupled. Um, wow. And, and everybody thought I was crazy. And I probably was, but it worked. <laughs> and that's, that's just the way I do it. Uh, I understand that. But anyway, I started having um, independent builders and uh, selling them lots. And then one of my favorite people in the world is Edwin Lowe, who um, builds about 30 houses a year. And uh, he's just 
a great guy, built a great house, and then Duval Brumby, and we got up to about 100 homes. And when they started getting older and Duval uh, moving out of the business, I realized that you needed to have bigger building companies and needed to run them more like the nationals. So then we ended up with JEH Homes and uh, Piedmont Residential. And both of those are much more sophisticated than the earlier building companies and uh, have done very well. We sold JEH to uh, Taylor Morrison for their original footprint in Atlanta. And then I helped them buy Acadia Homes, which they put together with JEH. And uh, that was how they started in Atlanta. So, uh, but we kept Piedmont and we kept Silver Hill Homes. Silver Hill Homes, uh, my son and I own it. And uh, we're a little higher price range than, than Piedmont. And Piedmont is more northern arc and, and, my son has been more in town and in more a locate smaller deals, higher price. Yeah. Well, two fantastic building companies. Um, JEH had quite the footprint. And then I guess, especially combined with Acadia really gave um, them a great start in the market when they purchased that. It's Taylor Morrison. And then, you know, Piedmont, it's nice to see Piedmont being so successful and continuing to hit those entry-level prices. And I'm sure a lot of that, their success has to do with the land and positioning that you helped them to achieve. Well, I, I think I helped originally, but I will tell you, J.D. has done a marvelous job. Um, one of our strengths has always been that to really make money in a building company and do well and have happy employees you you need to have kind of an even flow process mm-hmm. instead of starting and stopping and to do that what you've always got to do is have the lots to build on and to have the lots to build on you have to buy the land and develop it before you need it and if you work on enough to do do well to you'll be short because some of the deals are just not going to work out. So, you know, what we've always tried to do is source about twice as many deals as we need. And then when we get more than we need, if we've done our job right, um, then we can sell it to somebody else. And um, if we've got more than we need, it doesn't doesn't have to do with the quality of development. It it has to do with trying to... um, even flow the building company. That makes a lot of sense. And there's no um, shortage of builders in Atlanta looking for more lots. So I'm sure that that works out very well for for you from the development side. It is. It's just gotten, well, the last year it's just been crazy. Never seen anything like it. All the bill for rent people, you know, I heard a statistic from Ivy Zellman the other day that uh, the build a rent space for years was about $5 billion a year invested nationally. And then this last year, $55 billion was approved for that space um, off of Wall Street. was raised, the money was raised. And so you've got, you know, $55 billion worth of deals chasing $5 billion of what would be normal deal flow. Yeah. So um, 
it's you know you, you're seeing people do some things that you scratch your head. Well, you know, you look at the undersupply of housing, you know, nationwide, and I guess you start to realize why people are, you know, trying to innovate or trying to approach it from a different direction. Because clearly the the pipeline of customers is out there. If we can find ways to build something that they want to, you know, buy, or I guess in the case of build or rent, want to, you know, rent. Yeah, very much so. I've spent a good deal of time with Dominic Perviance with the Fed trying to figure out how to do affordable housing. And it's... um, it's a game of pennies. It isn't a game of dollars to try. You've got to shave different things off to get your costs down. Right. uh, Very hard. Yeah. I think that's a huge challenge in the industry. Well, earlier in the conversation, you talked about, you know, the first recession you went through. I think you've probably been through both recessions and, (laughs) and it's interesting. um, The first, the first one, I guess in the eighties, is not dissimilar to the second one that was around, you know, 2007, 2008, in that having land wasn't really an asset anymore. Do you talk a little bit about those two recessions and then talk a little bit about the pandemic and how it's been different? Well, um, you know, it may shock you, but the pandemic has been great, but I'll come back <laughs> to that. Uh, yeah. Well, I agree with the, you. Uh, so, yeah. No, in my lifetime, there have been two financial recessions where the banks got in trouble and and credit supply shrank very quickly. And the last one was one. And then the one in the late 70s, early 80s was one. And, uh, you know, at that point, land wasn't wasn't worth a whole lot. On the other hand, uh, back then and this time, to some degree, the banks picked the people that were going to survive from the people that weren't. So your relationship with the bank mattered a whole lot. And, you know, until this last recession, I said I could survive anything but my bank going broke. And I proved myself wrong. I survived and my bank went broke. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean to. (laughs) But uh, it didn't have a choice. Right. But they were very, very similar. And um, that was when you couldn't give away a lot and couldn't give away land. And that's when Jim Cowart really made his his mark on Atlanta. And that was, I guess, yeah, that was before Wheeland. So Wheeland didn't come to North Atlanta until, oh, probably the mid, mid-80s. He was always a Southside builder until then. And, you know, he's amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah, speak a little to the pandemic. Obviously, it's been a, a, a great two-year ride for all of us in the real estate industry. But uh, I also know that, you know, when March 13th rolled around two years ago, we all held our breath, right? Because oh, we God, kind of, we all did. It, yeah, talk talk a little bit about that and kind of the, the thought process and, and why it ended up being so different. Well, we were, you know, where everybody else was. We were building houses, selling houses, thinking everything was great. And when when things went down um, and things stopped, um, I looked around and I thought, you know, I know exactly what the Fed's going to do. You know, I think I know what Congress is going to do, and that's going to speed up the economy and very possibly cause inflation. But um, all the nationals, every one of them, dropped the deals they had. So what we did was go around 
and pick up deals behind the nationals. And um, we didn't get a full step ahead of them. I was hoping it would stay down a little longer, but it didn't. But we got a good half step on them and uh, were able to pick up a whole round of deals we probably wouldn't have been able to pick up otherwise. So, um, you know, we went into, you know, where a lot of companies fired people and were proud of it. We kept everybody. You know, my father always said, you hire a good man when he wants to come. You don't get to pick when he comes. So we were able to pick up good people and good lot positions where, you know, a lot of people weren't willing to to step out. But I would tell you, most of the great hires I've ever had were in bad times. Well, that's because you have the vision and see the long game. And a lot of these builders don't. And they don't have the you know, I guess the the balance sheet in the case of the nationals that will will uh, tolerate it or, you know, they who are running the company don't want to sit on all that land that was once an asset and now is a detriment. And it's it's interesting to watch, but it's easy to see why you've been so successful because you're willing to pay it forward when times are bad. Yes. Yeah. You know, we in the whole recession, we actually added people. We didn't we didn't fire people. We went from about 100 homes before the recession to, you know, 200, then 400, and then right at 600. So, um, you know, that's how Taylor Morrison came along. So it was, you know, it was a great time. We could have easily doubled it again, but that was about all the work I wanted to do. (laughs) It It is hard work. It is definitely hard work. Well, in addition to your development and home building careers, you've also had a successful banking career. Talk a little bit about that experience. Well, my great-grandfather started a bank. My grandfather started a bank. My father started a bank. And um, I've been involved in four. So um, it's somewhat in the blood. And as as a a friend of mine said, banking is a great way to get rich slow. You you don't get... uh, the flood of dollars that you would in a development company, but uh, it 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 grows if you do it right. It grows every year. But the first bank I was involved with was Heritage Bank, and the, back then you, you, branching was much more difficult because of the laws. And we were trying to figure out how to get more deposits and. Uh, I don't know who thought about it, but we figured out uh, the shopping center behind us, the Fox Photo went out of business um, in the Kroger. And we were sitting there and it kind of dawned on us that, you know, if we put a bank branch in a supermarket, it might be a good idea. So we went to them and they said, yeah, if you'd fill that space, we'd appreciate it. So we went in, built a branch in a supermarket and for that we got the Kroger account um, for that store and which almost broke the branch even and uh, then we made a deal and did all the Kroger's in uh, Atlanta and uh, it cost about a third as much to do a branch in a Kroger as it does a regular one so our cost of funds was lower and uh, you know, we offered a service nobody else did. So we then sold that bank, which ended up getting rolled up to Nations Bank, 
And then uh, after that, I was one of the founders of uh, Premier, and we, uh, Daryl Pitter, ran it, and we were able to do a roll-up of 12 banks because of the accounting rules, and we sold that to BB&T for their footprint in Atlanta. And then um, we did Private Bank, which was a smaller Buckhead bank that catered to people that, um, you know, had, had a lot of deposits, and we sold that. I, actually, that was Piedmont Bank. We sold the private bank. And now um, there's First Century Bank, and um, Bill Blanton and I, the two biggest stockholders, and we he runs it. And it's a wholesale bank, and we, you know, we do a lot of credit card and payments processing. If you do business with Amazon, there's a chance you do business with us. If you um, get a loan on your tax refund, you probably do business with us. If you get out of a federal prison, you do do business with us because they give you our credit card when you walk out of the prison. So, uh, you know, each bank has been different and has found a different niche. It's very difficult to repeat success with the same game plan you 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 the world changes and you have to innovate yeah so um it's sometimes a cruel lesson to learn but uh, you you have to keep innovating just like in the building business you have to um, grow every recession if you don't you become somewhat irrelevant to the atlanta market right Um, New American Funding is committed to delivering home loans on time while providing five-star service. Their 14 business day close guarantee and fully underwritten pre-approval gives you an unbeatable one-two punch impossible for sellers to ignore. For more information on New American Funding, call 678-898-3540. That's 678-898-3540. Three five four zero. Wow, lots lots of good nuggets of advice there. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Well, for any entrepreneur wanting to start their own land development or home building, and I guess even bank today, what advice do you have for them? It seems like it's so much harder to get in business today than it was 15 or 20 years ago. You know, the timelines have have, have lengthened so long in the banking business. Well, I guess, let me back up. Uh, I was in, or have been, still am, in one other business where we sell mitigation credits in Georgia. And my son's wetland and stream mitigations, and my son took it over and built it. And you know, when we sold the operations part of it, we were selling 60 to 80% of all the credits that were sold in Georgia. And uh, we got bought out by a company that's national. And, you know, we we did something different there that, you know, we saw a uh, need. And, you know, I recognized the need because sometimes I had to, you know, buy credits as a uh, builder and or a developer. So we were in early on that. And the first bank I produced, which was, I guess, the first stream bank in North Georgia, um, 
we um, it took us like 90 or 120 days. It cost us $50,000. Uh, today, you know, you're going to spend somewhere between a half a million and a million, and it's going to take you at least four years. So, wow. um, you know, it's a lot about recognizing opportunities. And, you know, I guess I agree with Munger. You'll probably have four or five real opportunities like that in a lifetime. So the question is, can you recognize them and then can you, can you capitalize on it? But, um, yeah. you know, if, if somebody said they wanted to open a restaurant like McDonald's, I'd say, well, I'll just go buy, buy McDonald's stock, you know, right. and, and in the building business, there's a real void coming of talent, number one, and or not coming, it's here. Um, there's a real void of talent, especially in the land and development side. And, um, you know, you can build a building company around a good land guy. You can't hardly build, them or build it around a construction guy. You know, and J.D. Right. is one of the best land guys in Atlanta, which is what we built Piedmont around. You know, he's done very well with it. But um, the national, you know, you, now the nationals control the market. Um, you've got to have 30% of a market share to affect prices. And, um, you know, I would say the top 20 builders probably control, you say, 60, 70% of the market. Yeah, easily. Uh, easily. And I think there's a real opportunity to... Uh, you know, they operate on a quarterly basis. So, you know, if you can, you know, operate on a, you know, year, two year, three year, four year time horizon, they're really pretty easy to beat. Or maybe I should, you know, say be a friend of me. But compete with. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to compete with. And, and there's just not many people doing that these days. There's, right. there's probably more opportunity right now with less competition than any time in my career. Interesting. Well, thinking back on your career, what would you say has been the most rewarding part to date? You know, when I when I started, I thought my my the best thing would be that I could look back and look at the developments that I did, and uh, you know, I could say I did this or I did that or I saw this. And although that is rewarding, I would say the thing that surprised me was the people that have been on the ride with me and the people that I have been able to help. And uh, I would say that was a lot more rewarding than physically doing a development. It's kind of a different type of legacy. You know, you're you're helping somebody else and propelling them forward and they're going to go on to to build and do great things as well, or go on to develop, and and hopefully you're teaching them to mentor other people in the process so that it continues just to propel the building community forward. Well, I really hope so. Um, you know, one of my mentors was a guy named uh, Clyde Shepard, and the same family as the Shepard Spinal Clinic, but they have done so 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 much in Atlanta and and all over the world, actually. But, you know, Clyde told me when I started, he said, Bill, if you're, when you start, you're going to do business with your dad's friends, and then you're going to do business with your friends, 
if you're lucky, you'll do business with your son's friends. <laughs> and, and what I, I found like out, that. what I found is I'm doing business with my son's friends. Isn't that interesting? So you always need to be nice because there's going to be a change as you go on. And they're not nice enough to put up with me now. (laughs) Well, they're learning from you. Don't kid yourself. But, but, you know, that's an interesting point you just made, because when I um, started, you know, brainstorming this series, this Legends of Real Estate series, who one of your friends um, actually inspired me to start this. I think we have a mutual friend in Jim Jacoby. Oh, yeah. And uh, and Jim was the one that kind of prodded me to do this series. And um, it's interesting as it's evolved, I've realized, well, we have all these great legends that I want to talk to. But, you know, once I kind of work through the legends I have on the horizon out there that I'd like to do a second series that's the legacy and to focus on all the, you know, the kids the kids who are now running these companies, you know, uh, you know, David Bowen's kids. And uh, I mean, there's so many, I can go on and on and on Waterford's son, you know, I mean, David Clow's son, um, Drew, and it's just a huge list. I mean, to some extent, you know, the, the Trayton kids who are my age are running, you know, their dad's company. So um, there's that whole legacy that, you know, in many cases, the legends of real estate here in Atlanta have left and built and and built for their children who are passionate about the industry as well. So I love that aspect of it too. Oh, it is great. And mentioning Jacoby, um, when he started uh, with me, he, you know, could hardly afford dinner. And uh, we did a few deals, lived through the recession, came out and Jacoby is Arguably the best open field land guy in Atlanta. And maybe and one of the best of all times. He is really, really good at it. And it it comes from hard work. No human being on the face of the earth will ever outwork Jim Jacoby. He is <laughs> he is so competitive. And uh if he's gotta work twenty four seven literally, he'll do it. You know, it doesn't matter. He is going to do it, and he's going to win. And um, nobody has put more effort into what they've done than Jim Jacoby. Yeah, I can see that. He is an incredible hard worker. Oh, he is. You know, he's always looking for an angle. He's always trying to figure out how to do something. You know, he's, he's very, very, very good. Now, he's also the kind of guy you can't put in a box, <laughs> but uh, but he is real good. Yeah. So um, I wouldn't ever bet against him. <laughs> there you go. That is good to know. Well, what do you think we can do to make our industry more diverse and to attract some new talent? Gosh, that is a um, really good question you know some of the people i have tried to uh, or have mentored have um i made a an effort to have a much more diverse group of people um, and um, from different socioeconomic backgrounds and i have found that that does uh work and it works very well totally flunked at being able to do the same but uh for females, and I, I don't know why, but I've just had that problem, and maybe you can speak to it better than I can. Uh, there's never really 
been a uh, really good developer builder in Atlanta for one of the nationals or privates that I know of that has ever broken that barrier. And I've tried to and on two or three occasions and just hadn't been successful at it. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm still working at it. So yeah, maybe I will, but, um, our business is such an entrepreneurial business. Uh, it is, is something that colleges don't teach and schools don't teach. And, uh, truly the only way to learn it is to do it and have somebody help you pick it up. You know, that's why I've always been very liberal and trying to help younger people. And, um, I think we need more of that. I know Tom Whelan has tried to do that some through the years and had some success with it. Um, and I've talked about it some. So um, I would say now's a great time to get in the business um, because if you can spot an opportunity, you can capitalize on it and you can do well for yourself right now. That doesn't mean we're not going to have a recession, but right. as my oldest daughter says, she said, every time something goes bad, I said, what does that mean? And she said, she said that means there's an opportunity. That's right. No, and, and it's so true. I mean, anytime anything goes wrong, it's an opportunity. Anytime you're told no, that's an opportunity. You know, I think that too often, you know, we all think that we need to be told yes and how wonderful we are to move forward. And that's just not necessarily the case. You know, you learn from your mistakes and you learn from, you know, the the creative people around you and from the opportunities or challenges that you're presented. Yes, very much so. And you've done that through the years and reinvented yourself more than once. I reinvented myself a few times. Yeah, you know, and, and it's interesting you know, I guess I had quite a bit of adversity with my last reinvention. And I um, had a young lady on staff who's still with me, who, you know, every time something bad happened, kept saying, you know, are you going to, what are you going to do about that? You know, aren't you going to do something about that? And I just, you know, very calmly say, no, I'm a duck. I'm just going to let it roll off my back. I'm moving forward, you know, move forward with me. Forward is where the jobs are and forward is where your next paycheck's coming. You know, because you could spend a lot of time looking at could have, would have, should have. And, you know, I guess you and I both know you can spend a lot of time hiring attorneys to fight over some wrong somebody has done you. But, uh, you know, I've just got to honestly say in the, in the long run, at least from my perspective, if you you know take care of the people around you and take care of your, your staff and your clients and you have a forward thinking vision, you know, and you're looking to do something for the good of everyone involved, you know, continuing to move forward and, and to innovate and recreate yourself is a much better option than, than dwelling on the could have, would have, should have. Oh yeah, you're exactly right. Um, and getting stuck in a lawsuit, I've got a friend that started with me and, you know, I remember about 15 years in, I asked him what he was doing and he said he was, <laughs> he was born independently wealthy. I wasn't, but he said, well, I'm just kind of managing all my lawsuits and, you know, uh, he spent all his time looking back and never got, never, never progressed forward. And, yeah, uh, that's unfortunate. It just didn't work. He said, but I was wrong. I'm right. And I said, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you know. Well, to some extent, you know, that doesn't matter. Um, so, 
you know, it's all about that innovation and moving forward and mentoring. And, you know, I think all the things we've talked about today, which you've certainly done over your decades long career, you know, see an opportunity, start a new bank, see an opportunity, you know, start a building company. Another opportunity comes along, sell that building company and maybe start another one. So, yeah, I I think that's, you know, how we all improvise and innovate and become successful in life is just seizing those opportunities. And you're a a great role model for, uh, you know, for those of us in the building industry now and and those to come in terms of what you've done in Atlanta. So thank you for all of that. Well, thank you. And uh, it's, it's been a great run. I can't complain at all. Still doing a little but not much. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that you and I could talk all day, but we have run out of time. So before I let you go, um, let our listeners know how they can get more information on you and Fox Creek properties. Well, we've got our website, which is foxcreek.us, which talks about the different businesses we're in. And uh, that's probably a good place to start. I'm a little unusual you know a lot of people don't give out information um i'm the other way around if you want to talk about something give me a call you know my email address is bill evans jr at gmail.com and my phone number is 404-245-5828 and i would love to talk to you and if i can help i will you know you never know where opportunity is going to come from That is absolutely true. Well, with that, this wraps this week's Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio's All About Real Estate Edition. I'd like to thank Bill Evans, president of Fox Creek Properties, for joining me today in studio. On behalf of our show sponsor, New American Funding, I'm your host, Carol Morgan. If you enjoyed today's show, follow Atlanta Real Estate Forum on Facebook. You're welcome to follow us on our newsletter. Sign up for that at atlantarealestateforum.com. And feel free to continue the conversation and to listen to all of our shows for free on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And then additionally, um, if you're interested in being a guest, email me, carol, at denimmarketing.com. And thank you so much for listening. I look forward to seeing you right here again for our next episode. Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio is sponsored by New American Funding and made possible by Denim Marketing, the publisher of Atlanta Real Estate Forum, Atlanta's favorite source for real estate and home building news. Denim Marketing is a comfortable fit, like your favorite pair of jeans. Denim Marketing tailors marketing strategies to meet your specific needs and niche. Try them on for size. They will work to create a perfect fit for your company's marketing program. Call them at 770-383-3360 or send an email to info at denimmarketing.com. For more information on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio or to inquire about being a guest, contact info at atlantarealestateforum.com. Check out the radio show by visiting atlantarealestateforum.com or by listening to the show on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, we'd sure appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio.